welcome to All Talk Oncology. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. Hello, hello, hello. This is Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And again, we have another phenomenal guest. I say it all the time. It's because I mean it. Every guest is phenomenal here at All Talk Oncology. And today is nothing short. We have a gentleman coming to you from North Carolina, Asheville. This man is an operationals manager, you know, an athlete, and he's done it all. And today we're going to talk about his journey and his battle with uh, colorectal cancer. And we're bringing in my man, JJ Singleton. Come on now. Honored to be here. Thank you for having me. JJ, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Oh, man, you know what? It's a pleasure to have you. And it's, it's always um, a great, a great gift to, to all talk oncology and our guests when we can get a male on here. You know, a lot of men don't want to talk about what they go through, you know. And so when we can find people that are willing to be vulnerable and share their experience so that others can benefit, oh, man, we love that. Yeah, that's that's one of the big things I wanted to once I became comfortable enough to tell my story. I, I seen where there wasn't many guys out there willing to do it. So I kind of want to help break that stigma and let everybody realize that it, it's OK to be vulnerable, that we don't need to hide it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for having that courage. You know, you know, let's get a little bit into J.J. You know, who is J.J.? And, you know, what what was Mr. Singleton doing? prior to being diagnosed with, with cancer? Well, before I was diagnosed, I was working for my family at uh, my uncle's businesses. I graduated college a few years before that from Western Carolina University. Former football player where I played, I played a small time division two college football for two years before I transferred out and just went to college. Uh, loved sports, loved having fun. I had started trying to get healthy and get, you know, my life after the little uh, wild mid-20 years and stuff. And then life changed when I was 27. Yeah. Yeah, so that you, you were doing some great things here, being in shape, playing sports, you know, and uh, just being being a family guy, helping, helping with the business. That's amazing. You know, let me yeah. ask you, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was like, yeah, the sports. I was like, I, I spent five years coaching middle school sports after I was done playing and always been a huge part of my life. So it was a, it was a good time back then. Got you. Giving back to the community, huh? Yeah, trying to. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you know, JJ, that uh, I always ask that question, right? Because it kind of gives a, a, a background of what people were doing, what their life was like, you know, because most of us, we never think, hey, this is going to happen to me as far as being diagnosed with cancer. We see it. You know, mm -hmm. we see people that have been diagnosed, but we never think about that for ourselves. So we live our lives accordingly. But, you know, getting diagnosed brings perspective, would you say? Very much so. It, it put everything right there in front of you because, I mean, at 27 or a month before I turned 28, I was still in that almost invincible phase where it's like, yeah, I got plenty of life to, you know, live to straighten things out, to do what I want. And once you hear that, you're like, all right, well, it's all right here in front of me now. And it's real and you got to accept it. Yeah. You know, so 
walk us through that. You know, what kind of symptoms were you having, if any, that made you go in and get checked out and, and say, hey, I need something's going on? Well, to go back again, I was in 27. I was uh, I spent that whole year of 2015 getting back in shape. I'd let myself go after I got hurt playing football and was done playing where I got up to 315 pounds. So I started a huge diet, started doing CrossFit, spent that whole summer doing two-a-day workouts because I did a CrossFit competition that August. So I, that's, I was trying to be healthy, trying to get everything good. But the beginning of that summer, I started feeling a throbbing in my abdomen. And I played it off the pulled muscle, an ulcer, the just your body getting used to ch the uh, crazy changes you had in your diet. And it would come and go. And then throughout the summer, I noticed things like I was so tired. I was going to bed at 7 o'clock at night, and I was having problems using the bathroom. I would have blood in my stool, and I just kept playing that off to like, all right, this is a different symptom. This is this. I would, I would do the Google thing, and I would look up, like, okay, what is wrong with me? And at the bottom would always be like, yeah, colorectal cancer and stuff. I'm like, no, that, that's an old person's disease. I'm 27. That can't be me. And then uh, after I did that CrossFit competition on August 1st, my body pretty much just started crashing. I, I couldn't drink anything. I couldn't eat anything without like having severe pain. I was throwing up every day, had like crazy uh, burping and just, and then I still wouldn't go to the doctor though. I still thought, I was like, I, it'll get better until my mom made me. She, she looked at me one morning and she was like, e, your skin's turning gray. You're going to the doctor tomorrow. And I went into the doctor and by that time I could pull my shirt over my like stomach and you could see the area throbbing, which was where the tumor was. That's something, you know, when you think about an athlete, you know, and you're going, oh, I can understand that this is just maybe a pull of muscle, blah, blah, blah. But when you, when it's painful just to drink water, yeah, that's, that's something, huh? Yeah. And like, that's when I was like, it was summertime. It was August. So I was like, I was getting so dehydrated and I've, I was always like very hot natured, but I would have to like get in my car and turn the heat on, turn my heated seats on. Cause I have such a fever. Cause I'd be so dehydrated when it's 90 degrees outside. I'm like pouring the sweat, but freezing. And that's when I was like, e there's probably something wrong. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, the nice part, if I can say that is that you did have some symptoms that prompted you to to go to the doctor you yes. know uh, sometimes people are just asymptomatic and and they go through this and they, they find out it's it's, it's troubling mm -hmm. so so you feel this your mom's like no 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 jj we are going to the doctor you're great my friend yeah <laughs> and uh so you go in and and run us through that you know so you get a scan or what happens and then what what did the doctor say once everything came out Pretty much that morning, I went to the doctor, and as soon as he, it was probably two minutes in his office, and he looked and felt my stomach and was like, you're getting a CT scan, go to the hospital right now. And I, I live in a small town, so I drove to the hospital, and that's the only place I could get me into the CT that day. So I had to sit there for a few hours, drink that barium drink, and that was, that killed me too, because at that time, everything that I was drinking or eating was upset my stomach. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of trips to the bathroom, trying to keep the barium down, nervous. And I'm like, okay, are they going to admit me to the hospital right now? What's wrong? So I had the CT scan. 
I wait and the doctor calls and they're like, or calls the uh, radiology and there's like, okay, he can go, he can leave. So automatically I'm like, okay, it's nothing major. They're letting me leave the hospital. Yes. I didn't make it to the parking lot before the, my doctor calls and is like, I need you back to the office and can you bring your mom or your guardian, significant other, somebody with you to this appointment? So that's when it was like, okay, that, that's, that's not good. <laughs> no, something is not right here. Yeah. So, uh, me and my, my mom met me, she, uh, left her work and met me at the office. And as soon as he came in there, it was like, there is a mass in your colon everything of the last like four months just connected all the dots. And I knew without a doubt, like before I even had to have the colon colonoscopy and biopsy that it was colon cancer, just because every symptom, every issue that I hadn't told people about, it just all lined up and was unfortunately a perfect line from the start to where I was. Sure. You know, JJ, you, you said something earlier and I, I think sometimes, that is the misconception, right? We we think that colorectal or cancer is an old person's disease. And you're not alone in that. I, I think a lot of people believe that. But this is showing here, you know, regardless of your age, if you're having any types of symptoms, um, get checked out. But even if you're not having symptoms, go to the doctor and get your physical, get your annual physical. Would you, would you agree with that? 100%. That's like, even in, you know, everybody in that mid 20 range, the thing I, I'll do the doctor later on. Once, you know, once you get settled in a job, get your insurance and stuff. And no, trust that. Even if you got to pay that extra little money up, that copay up front, it, it's so much worth it than to ignore any symptoms. Cause everything can build and become something that is life changing. Yes. So now, JJ, you, you find this news out, you, you're getting ready to go through it. What, what did they diagnose you with in the sense of their staging when it came to the colorectal cancer? At that point, I was uh, stage two. After they went in and uh, did the colonoscopy, and then I had the colon resection, they tested lymph nodes, got clear margins on my colon, and so they're like, all right, you're stage two. It it like spread throughout my colon and they had to take a, a lot of my small intestines too, but it didn't spread into the lymph nodes at that time or any other organ. So that's why I was classified as, but since I was so young and they made me go and do genetic testing. So with all that combination, they're like, we're sending you to Duke and they decided to do 12 rounds of chemo just to make sure to kill anything else that was floating around and to mop up, anything to be extra certain because I was at such a young age then. Sure. And so what is going through your mind at this time, right? I mean, 27, 28 years old, you, you're having 12 rounds of chemo. You've had a huge surgery. I mean, this, I mean, this stuff is happening quickly, right? What, yeah. what is going through your mind? If you can go back into that moment. Oh uh, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, from the time I got diagnosed to surgery was uh, six days. And I was in the hospital for 16 days and I had to have two surgeries in there because my body was just not a, it wasn't cooperative, but, uh, and then I had a break to get ready for chemo. And once I started chemo, I just went kind of back to that old sports mindset. Like, all right, they have a plan. Love my doctors, love my oncologist, trusted them with 
everything. So I was like, they say, this is what's going to do. I'm going to put my head down, shut the world out, get through the 12 rounds of chemo, recover and get my life back. And at that point, everything I was thinking of is like, I have a whole new perspective on life appreciation. Once I get back to the normal me, I will hopefully come back and, you know, help something with the colorectal cancer community. But that wasn't my focus. I was just like, get done and get life back and enjoy it more than even I had been because of what I had been through. Sure. Absolutely. You know, it definitely, definitely, you have a different appreciation of life mm-hmm. after going through something like this. And, and I hear it all the time. And it's a, it's a good thing, I think, sometimes because we need to, um, not that we need to have, get diagnosed with cancer, but sometimes we need that refocusing of what's really important in life, right? And yes, unfortunately, sometimes it takes um, something horrific to happen into our lives. Unfortunately, I say that. You know, so you get, you get this through the 12 rounds. JJ's back, right? With athlete, he's done. We're ready to rock. What happens then? Let's say I, I finished chemo. Uh, took me a little post-cancer vacation to visit a friend in Florida to, you know, just enjoy myself. Week later, I started back to work. And uh, six weeks from the day I finished chemo, I had a colonoscopy, just the normal start, the yearly colonoscopy. It was clean, was happy. Middle of the night, I woke up and a throbbing was back in my abdomen again. Mm-hmm. Woke me up and it triggered every PTSD thing about me. And at this time, I was like, nope. So I called my the surgeon at 6 o'clock that morning and I was in his office by 8.15. And they made me go do the scans again. Over the next week, I had tons of CT scans, of MRIs, a biopsy and found out the cancer came back and spread to different parts of my body now. Wow. So this is, this is six weeks after your treatment had finished. Yep. So you know, like, you must be going through your mind. What's, what is, what is going through your head at this time? I was almost completely numbed to everything, but still in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, the cancer's back. And at that time I still thought, I was like, it reacted good first to the chemo. I was like, they're going to give me a stronger chemo. I can handle that. I was like, chemo sucked, but I made it through. So I was like, I can handle the, however powerful the drugs they give me and get through it again, six more months. And that changed when I went to Duke, because at this point I was such a weird case that I had to, I was going down there to get consultations and stuff too. Mm. And then when I went down there in that office is when I found out that the cancer was resistance to the chemo that the first chemo I had had never killed this cancer. It had been growing in a different part of my body and it was so mutated now and in not in a non-solid organ that they couldn't remove it. So that's when I first heard that you are incurable and will be on treatment for life unless some miracle down the road happens. But with everything else that my genetic mutations, they were like, just expect this. And then that was the first time I heard too that then I had a 25% chance to make it five years. Isn't that something, JJ? I mean, 
someone to tell you you have an incurable cancer. You know what? What are you talking about? This? Yeah. What? What? Do you, what is going through your your young mind at that time? I, I couldn't process it. I mean, honestly, like I've I've thought about it and talked about it a lot since then. And at that time, I was with my mom and stepdad, and we had separate rooms in a hotel. And I, I didn't say a word after the rest of the appointment. I was just like, I let my mom and them talk and set up my next appointments. Didn't say a word back to the hotel. And I just sat in the shower and cried for hours. I, I couldn't process it, couldn't feel anything. And I was just like, all right, is my life over? It, because at that time, the can't, it was so, the pain was back. And I was like, well, if chemo's not going to work, I'm going to have to go through it again. And, it was just, it was a numb, empty feeling that at the that point in time, I never knew if I was even going to be close to climb out of. Yeah. What a vulnerable position, you know, to be in, you know, and um, I want to ask you this, you know, how do you get the strength to get to move forward, right? Because it, it takes a certain mindset, right? Because at that point, JJ, you can... You can give up and just be like, this is my lot, you know, in life. Or you can transform your mind to go, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, this, and that. How, how did you get that mindset? Oh, I had a, about a week and a half before they started me back on treatments. And through that time, I was like, I kind of went to a mindset. It was like, okay, they gave me that five-year odds. I was like, don't know if that'll happen, but I'm going to, work and do as everything I can to make it to 30. I was like, I have friends, I have people I need to, you know, do stuff for to make sure they know how I feel about them. So I was like, if I can make it to 30 and then we'll go from there. And that was just the start of me not having, as people say, like lifelong goals, like breaking stuff down into three, six month increments. Cause if I thought about anything longer than that, it became too much. And I just was like, I couldn't believe that I would make it that far. Yes. Man, I, that's a gem. That's a gem right there. And, and it's sometimes it's not thinking too far ahead, right? JJ, it's being mm -hmm. able to kind of stay in that moment and what you can do at that, at that time. Right. Exactly. Cause the, the more, the longer I looked ahead, the more possibilities of things happen, the more possibility of the chemo fell and not doing this, crashing and end up in the hospital and never leaving. So it was like three months, six months, make it to 30 and then I'll reassess. Yes. And so, and this is a question that, you know, even the listeners need to know, you know, JJ, how do you get through these hard days? Back then I, I, I look back and I don't know how I got through them because at that point in time, I was still, I wasn't reaching out. I wasn't going to therapy. I was just, it was all in my head. And luckily I have one of the best families that anybody could ever ask for that gave me like undying support and love. And were always there to help me take care of the other life problems because unfortunately those didn't quit either just because I was dealing with this. So I just seeing that love and support, just kind of was like, all right, I got to get through this day. And somebody told me, and unfortunately, this guy, he passed away early into my cancer journey and stuff. He's like, a bad day doesn't mean you're failing. You can have a bad day and you can still be doing good. 
So that's like, I was like, I could have one, two, three bad days in a row. But if I have one good day and I make an impact or do something productive. And for me, if I was getting up and walking for 10 minutes or getting up and, you know, answering an email to a doctor, I was like, that's a good day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that because, you know, JJ, the mindset is so important if we're going to continue on this journey and be successful. Mm -hmm. And so I love, I love that you shared that with us. You know, you talked about family and things like that. How did the JJ support team come into play, right? Because sometimes we don't know where that comes from, right? I know family is there, but how did your support team uh, evolve? It's evolved a lot over the past six and a half years because when I first started, you know, I was tunnel visioned and I was like, all right, y'all are my friends. We're good. I, I, I got this all my own. I'm doing it. And then when the cancer came back, I went into such a, you know, dark place mindset because I was like, all right, I don't want to get closer to people because what if I do pass away, die and stuff. But my family was always there. I had this core group of friends that would, they came and see me every time I was in the hospital. They, they text me every chemo treatment I had every day where they wouldn't hear from me for a day or two, they would text. Like when I went through the uh, 14 months where I had drainage tubes coming out, one of my friends, he was a nurse, he would come up and change my bandages on my like drainage sites and stuff. So, and then throughout time, when I started opening up to people, I've met people online and I've met one of the very best friends in my life over the last two years who's changed my support team completely. And that is all thanks to, unfortunately, cancer. So even in the worst of things, it could provide something that can change your life. I love that, right? It's your perspective on things. Mm -hmm. and I, you, know, you know, JJ, I love it because you just don't know who's going to show up in your life. And here you are, you're talking about them. One of the most important people in your life showed up, you know, during this whole process. What a, what a gift, right? Exactly. And it's like, I'm from a small town in North Carolina and she's from Phoenix, Arizona. Never thought we would ever have anything in common. And it's just our shared trauma and experience because she's a colorectal cancer survivor too. put us there and we connected. And it's, Literally some of the bad days over the last year and a half, I would not, don't know if I would have made it without her. You know, I love that. I love that. We need, it, it, it just happens. You know, it's interesting, JJ, as I do more and more of the interviews and I speak, I speak to individuals, how that, how that care team, that support team comes about is always amazing to me. Yeah. You know? And I always think, you know, there's, thank God, right? I thank yeah. God that uh, because it's a real thing. And when people show up, you know, in your life and can have an impact when you need it the most, man, it's a gift. Yeah, that's I've always said, like, friendship is easy. The best friend, but that best friend group, you got to work at that through the hard stuff, through the ugly stuff. And that's when you know the people that are there and that will make an impact on your life. There it is. There it is, another gem. JJ's dropping gems today. You know, so let me let me ask this question. You know, colorectal, right? I mean, 
it's it's no joke. You're going through. You have now been diagnosed with an incurable cancer. You have tubes coming out of your out of your abdomen and things like that. How does that affect your nutrition and the things you take into your body and eat? It affected mine drastically because after I got the cancer came back, I had three other failed uh, chemo regiments, and the cancer just kept growing and it grew around the end of my stomach into my intestines and closed it completely off. So anything I took in by mouth would just sit in my stomach until I threw up. And I was already struggling to eat with my mouth sores, just the nausea constant from the chemo. So I was losing weight. It was the second time since I've been diagnosed the first time where I lost 60 pounds in two months. So, and then, uh, then they put me in the hospital for almost a month because they didn't know how to get me nutrients because a feeding tube wouldn't work because it just clogged up in my intestines because of the cancer constricting it. So I ended up having to go 450 days getting fed by TPN infusions, which is, I forget the exact name of it. I just call it TPN, but it is basically all the nutrients, vitamins, minerals that I need and it's made on my blood work every week. And it was a 15 hour infusion every night. Wow. And so that was the worst part. I, I got down to about 150 pounds at one time. You know, this, this journey of yours, you know, as I listen to it, it's not an easy thing, mm-hmm. you know, and yet, what I love about you, JJ, is that you're a fighter. You know, here you're going 450 days, did I hear you say? Yeah. You know, being infused with the proper nutrients because you couldn't eat. You know, it's that's the warrior mentality. And, and, and I say that, but I don't want to take away from the fears and the, the insecurities that come along along the way, right? And so... How do you, how did you get through, through that, right? To be the JJ we're looking at today. How did, how did you get through those, those days? That year was the toughest year of my life. Like I, the 15 hour infusions, and then I was pretty much laying in bed in the or basement of my uncle's, like a basement apartment for about 22 hours out of the day. And the two hours I would move from the bed to the recliner. And that was my day. Wouldn't leave there except to go to chemo or doctor appointments. And that was the lowest point possible I had ever been. There was times where I was close to giving up and being like, this life ain't worth it. I, I can't live like this. And luckily at that time is when I started talking to a therapist. It was all mine at first through my cancer center. And then slowly, like I started where I would go to visit her. And then I just piece by piece was like that helped my mental part and then I found ways to escape that's when I fell in love like I've always been a huge nerd like everything like Marvel and all that but that's when I fell in love with reading Star Wars books because I could just transport myself to where I could leave cancer and everything even I was stuck in a bed I could leave for an hour while I was reading and just those little glimpses of just where I could not think about that and they just build up over time and time. And then luckily, the amazing doctors that I had, they were able to do a major surgery and the new clinical trial I was on shrunk the tumors enough to where they corrected things and I was able to start eating again. 
and getting out and driving, leaving the bed. But really, it was the accepting that I needed help, that I could not push every feeling down or push the darkness down and just get through it, just bullhead my way through it where I had to talk to somebody that could help me. Yeah. You know, JJ, thank you. Thank you for sharing that because, you know, these fears and the the wanting to quit is real. And they say the only thing you're guaranteed of if you quit is failure, right? But you push past that and you things opened up because you didn't quit. And and what I want the listeners, I hope they've seen the gem in this. It wasn't something that happened overnight. This process, right? You know, you going to a counselor, you being able to uh, talk yourself, get talked out of that dark moment. And then at the end of that tunnel was light, huh? Yes, very much so. And I agree, like the, the failure and I was so close to just, you know, ignoring everything, the way I was raised with my family and stuff to be like, you know, you never give up, never do anything. You were strong. But I was close to being like, nope, that, that I just can't do it. So luckily I had that ingrained in me. But even with all that, it still had to accept needing help. And it was a, a long process with many ups and downs and many days where I didn't think it was working, where I didn't think it was, anything would ever change. But over time, I could look back and see little improvements step by step, like just even the tiniest improvement is better than the day before. Yes. As they say, JJ, trust the process. Mm. Sometimes we're, we're on a road, JJ, would you agree with this? Sometimes you're on a road that is so unfamiliar and it's hard to trust something that you've never gone through before. Yes. But you did this. You said, I'm going to trust the process. And when you went through it, you came out successful. Huh? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I love that, JJ. And um, like I say, man, what a warrior, what a warrior you are. You know, JJ, looking at where you started and where you are now, you know, what is life? How do you see life different? Life is completely different. Where I started it, I was just in the cancer journey. I was focused on me getting better it can get better and never doubt that one day can change everything. Mm. Powerful. And, and, and for those that don't know, you know, JJ, the JJ we see today, he's out and about. This man is out and about and getting around, you know, talk to you. You we were just in uh, Arizona. Is that correct? Yeah, I went to, uh, through the, uh, I'm a national ambassador for an organization called fight CRC and I was a special guest at the Colaguard uh, Classic, a PGA Tour Champions thing that was uh, used to raise money to help provide Colaguard and colonoscopies to people and to raise awareness for colorectal cancer. And just next week, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C., talking to Congress, hoping to get more funding toward colorectal cancer because it's growing and we need a special interest in you or young onset colon cancer, because if it don't change, it's going to be the 
top cancer causing death with people under 50 by 2030. And that's, it's not acceptable for a cancer that can be prevented with screening. Yeah. I love it. Out here advocating now. JJ's out here advocating, getting it done. You Trying. Know. That, that gives, that, that makes the bad days worth it to know that if I can help something or make a little bit of a difference, it, it makes them a little easier to get through. For sure. You know, JJ, we are, as we like to ask at the end, what advice would you like to give to those that are listening in that may be going through something similar uh, to you? What would you, what would you like to offer them? I just want to say that even in the darkest times that don't give up, reach out, help, trust yourself to know what you need to get better because you're ultimately the only one that can really look inside yourself and know. And don't be afraid to reach out for help. It's not a weakness. There's not a, there is a stigma against mental health and cancer and PTSD and trauma, but fight through that stigma because it can save your life. And then who knows what your life will be like on the other side. Love it. Very powerful. Thank you. JJ, JJ Singleton on All Talk Oncology. JJ, thank you so much for joining us here today. It was a pleasure having you and uh, continue, continue with that mindset and continue battling and advocating for colorectal cancer. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor and I appreciate it so much. Thank you. So again, I wanna thank everyone who tuned in today. Here's where you will find up-to-date cancer discussions with industry experts and leading professionals that can help you in your cancer fight. You are not alone in this. We are in this together. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And until again, I'm out.